today, we're going to actually pick up where we left off three weeks ago prior to my trip to Asia, where we are talking about uh, what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. And that's, we'll read that in just a minute here in verses 5 through 13 of chapter 6 of Matthew. But the title of this series of messages has been, is uh, In This Manner, because what happened was the disciples, uh, the 12 disciples that, that were closest to Jesus, they were observing him pray one day. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, communing with the Father, they observed this, and when he was finished praying, they waited till he was done, and then they said to him, Jesus, you have got to show us how to do that. Our hearts long for that kind of communion with God, but it's not anything like we've seen the Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes. It's not any, you know, it's so different than what we've observed in the temple and the synagogue. What you had, the kind of relationship and intimacy you have with the Father, expressed in prayer, that's what we want. Please teach us how to do that. And so the Lord does. And uh, in these verses that we're going to read in a moment, the first uh, verses 5 through 8, uh, is an invitation where the Lord says, look, leave behind the religious, the, the scripted, the, uh, you know, the pretense kind of praying that, the, that you've observed and seen and experienced and come into a relationship, come into the secret place because re relationship is what prayer is all about. And then we talked about verse 9 where we see an inversion. Jesus begins to give the disciples this template for prayer or this outline for prayer. And he, he says that prayer ought to be uh, that which changes things. When things are backwards and upside down and inside out or twisted around, he says prayer sets things right. And we talked about what he was uh, getting at when he said, pray this way, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. And getting our, our thinking about God straightened out leads us to the next thing, an invasion of prayer. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But let's begin reading verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And let me just stop there for a minute, because a few weeks ago, somebody asked me after we read that, well, what does that mean, that they, got, they received their reward? And I can understand that. That might be a little confusing. It might sound as though God is rewarding them for this behavior. That's just the exact, exact opposite of what's happening. Jesus is saying, look, when people pray to be seen, whatever affirmation or you know, acclaim or, or uh, you know, notoriety they get from, from being seen by other people as being super spiritual, that's all the reward they're going to get doesn't count with God. So that's what he's saying there. Verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who is in secret will reward you or restore you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, I wanna, I'm not a very matu- uh, militaristic kind of guy. Um, I appreciate our military uh, personnel. In fact, we're, uh, this Wednesday is Veterans Day. How many of you are veterans or uh, have, are currently serving in the military? Raise your hand. We honor you today. Yeah. We honor you today. Um, but I, I can't avoid using uh, the language of warfare today because these verses, verses 10 through 13, uh, Jesus is calling us to engage in a battle. And he's saying prayer is... Once you understand that it's an invitation to be with me, once you get things straightened out about who it is you're praying to, then he says, I want for you to engage with me in my global redemptive program. I am saving a lost world, and I want to use you in it. Now, I am, uh, yeah, I'm old, but I'm not old enough to remember World War II and neither are any of the rest of you. However, we've all heard stories, we've seen films, we, it's a major part of human history. It was a significant, although incredibly tragic, period in, in, uh, in our history, but there was an awful lot of lessons that were, good lessons that were learned as well as, well as bad ones through that experience. And it, and it has um, marked itself in, in the human experience ever since. I'm gonna use draw your attention to some imagery that is related to that as we move through uh, this morning because here's some things I want you to think about. All of you have uh, different venues of your life. The story of your life plays out in different arenas. Your home life, your work life. I was talking to a woman last night who told me, she said, yeah, I'm a band mom. Her son is in the band at high school and they they are very good at what they do and uh, are involved in, um, you know, uh, performances and, and whatnot. And her, so part of her life has become, become uh, is being lived out within that context. Some of you have other kind of social activities, clubs, sports that you're involved in. You have arenas where the story of your life is being played out. And every one of them, every one of them is a battleground. The Bible says that we are engaged in a conflict, in a conflict with the enemy of human beings' souls. The devil, Satan is his name. God is, is ultimately sovereign and he has already triumphed over his adversary, but the battles are still being waged and you and I have been, involved, have been called by God to wage war in his, in his name in those arenas of our lives. During World War II, I don't even want to, I don't know how many and I don't even want to think about how many thousands of battlefields were engaged in what was a global conflict from Europe to, to Asia But you have a similar situation in your life. You have a number of battlefields and and you need to take each one of them seriously. And part of what we're going to discover as the Lord teaches us to pray here is how to engage in 
in uh, battle in those arenas. He says, first of all, pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. As the Allied forces be, uh, invaded uh, Europe and began to take territory, ultimately bringing down the German war machine, with every foothold that they took on European soil, they were placing the flag of, in this case, I've got an image of the United States of America, but that's not the important thing. The thing is that I want you to imagine yourself wading into those venues of your life as ambassadors, representatives of the kingdom of God. And I want to ask you to consider the fact that the Lord might be calling you to stake, uh, to drive a stake into that place, to plant the flag of the kingdom of God there. Some of you need to, th to imagine yourself and planting the flag of the kingdom of God in your family life, your marriage. Some of you need to imagine yourself planting the flag of the kingdom of God in that cubicle farm where you work every day. Some of you need to imagine yourself planting the flag of the kingdom of God in that soccer team or that, you know, whatever it is. Let's be ones who understand that this is... This is life and death. This is eternal stuff. And that the Lord is inviting you and me into that life-transforming, ultimately victorious battle for the lives of men and women, including ourselves. Pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Uh, I remember five or six years ago when Sue first took the job that she now holds at the Kaiser facility in Fairfield. She uh, is a very highly qualified, uh, competent woman, but they, I know that they chose her for that position primarily because she's nice. <laughs> and they got the right person. If they were looking for nice, they got the right person. And the reason I know this is because that the woman that held the position before her was so, her, her personality, her character, her life was so broken and distorted that poison just seeped out of her in every relationship, every interaction that she had. And the environment of the entire place was affected by that. And those who were in position to hire uh, her replacement said, we cannot afford to have that happen again. So they went after somebody nice. What they didn't know was they were also getting an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And she showed up there on day one recognizing the, the leftovers, the debris of all of this chaos and, and destruction. It had, you know, I mean, you could have walked into the clinic there and everything is orderly and clean and people are going about their duties. But you understand what it's like when there's stuff behind the scenes, the unseen realm where the real stuff is happening. And she entered that facility and planted the flag of the kingdom of God there. Not, not to say there weren't other believers there. There certainly were, and I'm sure they were doing the same. But for her part, she decided, I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of God. His kingdom come. The next thing the Lord said was, pray this way, pray your will be done. And he was inviting us to engage in the process of restoring the rule of God in those venues of our lives. You can imagine the allied forces as they came, made their way into uh, 
Nazi Germany and, and you know, where, where uh, fear and uh, distrust and uh, people uh, vying for power and control over others, heartache and suffering and, um, you know, uh, uh, starvation and imprisonment, terrible things were the result of the rule of the, of the kingdom of Nazi Germany. As, as our forces, as the Allied forces began to make their way into that troubling scene, not only did they establish, now this is under the sway of another kingdom, they also began to say, and this kingdom rules in a different way. We don't put, uh, we don't uh, lord it over people, we don't ruin their lives, we don't starve them, we don't gas them. Now look, I, our, there's nothing pure or perfect about the United States or any of the other uh, countries that were involved in that, in that great conflict. But there is something perfect about our king. And when he, through you, wades into a situation and begins to announce in kind of a, tri I'm, this is not the best way to say it, but there's a new sheriff in town. What he means by that is there's a different way of operating. Is it the, the law of the kingdom of God is a law of love. And that, the power of that is so overwhelming and so pervasive and so healing that it's, it's our pleasure, it's our privilege as representatives of that kingdom to wade into those situations and announce the rule, the, the, the transformation of how things are operating here now. There's a new sheriff in town. His name is Jesus. He wanted to say, give us, pray this way, give us this day our, our daily bread. And I, I've seen the pictures, and so have you, of, of uh, those troops on the ground, and, and they encountered the, the devastating conditions that people were living in in these uh, totalitarian regimes, both in Nazi Germany and in, in the Japanese re uh, regime. And one of the things, one of the first things that had to happen after uh, the establishing of the new kingdom there and the, the reign of that kingdom in, that, in those dominions was a resupply. People needed stuff. They needed medical aid. They needed food. They needed transportation. They needed jobs. They needed, you know, lots of things. And, and you and I, when we are willing... To, be, to step into that role that Jesus is calling, to, uh, calling us clearly to here in this passage, we get to be the ones who say, not just for our own sake, God, gimme, gimme, gimme. Give us. Lord, through me, bless those in need today. A few days ago, I guess maybe a week or so ago, after I returned from, um, from, from Asia, I was pretty jet-lagged, and that messes up my sleep pattern pretty well, and there's somebody who sleeps next to me and is affected by that. <laughs> and uh, so we got up one day, she, and we both went to work, and not, both, neither of us were, were uh, in good shape, you know. Uh, yeah, not in good shape. Uh, so I called her, and I asked her, I got, just checked in with her during the day. I said, how are you doing? She says, well, I'm pretty exhausted, but... I've had the chance to pray with six people today. People who've come to me and asked me, would you pray for me about this? Or in the situations, or some of those situations were, 
and this is important, where she would encounter people who had a need, but they were expressing it as a complaint. You know what I mean? And, and instead of joining with that complaint, she would say, how about we pray about that? How about I pray with you for that? And she was, a, she was ushering the supply of the kingdom of God into a, a, a grief-stricken, a, an impoverished condition. You, you and I, more than we know, we have the resources of a limitless God to bring to bear in, in, uh, in the de deprived state that we find so many of the people in the venues of our lives. He went on to say, Pray this way, forgive us, forgive us as we forgive others. Uh, you know, this is a dangerous prayer to pray because it in effect says, God, I give you permission to withhold forgiveness from me if I'm not forgiving others. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but the next time you pray this prayer, you might want to think twice before you let those words out of your mouth. Now, of course, we don't have a God who withholds forgiveness, but he's helping us to understand that's how important forgiveness is to him. And he doesn't want you and me to be the ones who clog up the flow of that forgiveness. You know, in the, on the uh, border of uh, Israel and, and Jordan, there's a sea called the Dead Sea. It's dead and lifeless because it has no outlet. The Jordan River flows into it. Nothing flows out of it. And the evaporation that happens in that, uh, you know, desert climate creates this, this uh, anomaly. But anytime there is a, a, a body of water that has no outlet, stuff goes bad. You've all smelt it, right? When I am receiving from, for, forgiveness from God and unwilling to extend that forgiveness to other people, it starts to stink, and the Lord says, pray this way. Pray, God, forgive me as I forgive others. You know, with regard to uh, our enemies in World War II, yeah, there were tribunals and people had to be brought to justice, and that's, and that's a fine thing. But for the most part, there just needed to be forgiveness. And I think it's an amazing thing, one of the great uh, aspects of, of uh, what we've learned historically through that is that uh, is demonstrated by the fact that some of our closest allies in the world are both Germany and Japan because of forgiveness. Yesterday, it takes me 20 minutes to get from here to my house. Yesterday at 4 o'clock, I piled in my car and headed home because I needed to get home, change, get something to eat, and get back here by 5 so I'd be ready for our service at 6. All right, so I'm driving home, 20 minutes. The whole, just before I had left, somebody had let me down. Anybody ever done that to you? You know, it isn't pleasant. And for 20 minutes while I'm driving in my car, I'm nursing this anger towards this person. <laughs> and you, you know what that's like, or at least I hope you do. I hope I'm not the only one, but I, I will, I'll admit that that was what was going on with me. And just before I got home, just right before I reached our, our home, the Lord I spoke to me, he said, you can't hold on to that. And at first I thought, hold on to what? <laughs> you know how you are. And then I, I knew, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right, God. I, I am withholding forgiveness from this person. I will never say anything to that person about this, the person who let me down. It's not important. 
I did say something to Jesus. I said, I'm sorry. Sorry I misrepresented you, that I've choked up or clogged up the flow of your forgiveness for these 20 minutes. I forgive them. And I just feel like the Lord was saying to us, live your life that way. Live your life that way. Be a source of the flow of my forgiveness to, this, to the people in this world who so desperately need it. Finally, he said, don't lead us into temptation as though the Lord would do that. Of course, he wouldn't. He was, the way it's worded here is a little awkward. But what it means is that we're, we're saying, Lord, uh, uh, help us to overcome temptation. And then tied to the heel, they go together. Tied onto the heels of that is uh, deliver us from the evil one. The reason they'll go together is because temptation is the vector by which the enemy brings bondage to people. When we surrender to temptation and yield to temptation, it's not an isolated incident. It is the, the, the breaking in of the work of the adversary. He's looking for an avenue into a person's life. And when you open that door through yielding to temptation, whatever form it comes, you're providing a pathway to deeper places in your life. And the result can often be uh, bondage. And when we say bondage, we mean that that you get caught in a cycle of, of uh, fruitlessness, a pattern of, of uh, you know, that you can't seem to escape, of a destructive pattern you can't seem to escape out of. Um, your life just keeps on a, kind of on a treadmill, going the same, over the same things over and over. You can't, and you don't feel like God's will is being fulfilled in your life. It isn't. And so the Lord said, give us victory over temptation and deliver us from the evil one. And I know that, um, you know, when our, when our troops uh, made their way into the, because uh, I've read accounts, when they made their way into the devastation that was, I mean, whole cities were leveled. People were living like rats in the in the debris a lot you know millions of dollars if not billions of dollars and much enterprise was engaged in, in helping to rebuild these ruined cities when you make your way into the venues of your life wherever they may be there is destruction there there's devastation there it might not be visible on the surface but it is for sure there and God wants to use you and me to begin to help people get free and have their lives rebuilt and reshaped and dear ones sometimes that means that you're going to take a shovel and start digging into the stuff that's you don't want to dig into but but we are as ambassadors of the kingdom of God we are there to be escort people into the liberty the liberty that he wants to bring to them and in the short term sometimes that means having to tear some things down uh, but it ultimately means building back up according to the, the design of our God now the Bible says that the war that we're, we're waging is not uh, you know not waged in hum by human methodology. 
He said, the weapons of our warfare, it says, are not carnal, meaning they're not human, they're not of flesh and blood, but they are powerful. It says that we are addressing enemies in the form of powers, principalities, mights, and dominions, things that can't be seen, and yet have more destructive potential than any, any human armament. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, look, this is about a secret place, a time where you come away with me and engage in, in intimate fellowship and relationship that is restorative to your soul. And in that time, I'm going to reshape the way that you think about me. But then we're going to battle for the souls of men and women who need Jesus, who need the healing that I can bring. This is recording number 11186 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, November 8, 2015. This is the third message in a series titled, In This Manner. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, An Invasion.